Welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Join John Bernadovich as he embarks on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals to understand what it takes to do HR like a boss. Each week, John chats with professionals with a wealth of knowledge and practical experience to help you tackle HR's biggest challenges. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe, hit the five-star rating, and share it with your HR friends. John is a father, husband, competitive golfer, author of HR Like a Boss, and founder of Willery, a professional services firm dedicated to HR and payroll technology and people. He is devoted to transforming the workplace by empowering the HR and payroll communities to navigate their ever-evolving business landscape with ownership and passion. You're listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast, hosted by John Bernadovich. Welcome again to another episode of the HR Like a Boss podcast. This is a really special episode for me. It's one of those, you're on a podcast and then you think to yourself, what a great host that was, what an incredible conversation. And she would be a great host, she would be a great guest on the HR Like a Boss podcast. So to the HR Like a Boss community, let's welcome into the HR Like a Boss podcast, Sherry Simpson. Sherry, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and what wonderful things to say about being on the podcast. I love that. Yeah, so cool. I don't, I'm not going to say, maybe it is part of my strategy to be on podcasts to hopefully get guests as a result of it. That's that's worked actually a few times for me, but it wasn't intentional. And if you were lame as a host, I wouldn't have you on the show because my audience doesn't like lame people. They like really creative, fun, entertaining people like you, Sherry. So tell the world a little bit about who you are, your passion for human resources and what you're into these days. Yeah. So I've been in HR a little over 16 years. Um, I currently work at Paylocity as a senior manager of thought leadership. And I'm fortunate enough that I get to host the HR mixtape podcast as well. Uh, a little bit about me personally, been married almost 25 years, and I have three sons that are all active duty military. So uh, that guides a lot of the things that I am passionate about outside of HR. Um, but I continue to just be really impressed about the industry of HR and where we're at in this space right now and the modernization of the work we do. Wow, Sherry, I didn't even know that about you. Thank you for your sons for their service. And I'm sure that that certainly has your attention. I know that's probably both incredibly humbling and a lot of pride, but also as a mom, I'm sure that that has your worry, your worry meter up a little bit more than normal. Uh, yes, I, I think it's one of those things that you, goes in waves, right? You worry and then you're like, you just can't live in that worry space. So, yeah, no, I, I get it. Totally get it. Well, so Sherry, I start all guests out after they do their creative introductions and the stuff that they share about themselves personally. We talk about this big why question in HR. I'm all about that purpose and the importance of it inside of a business. So you've been in HR for an extended period of part of your career. And I'm curious, what do you think the purpose of human resources is? Yeah, I, I love this question because I think if you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I probably would have leaned more to policy, procedure, and risk management. Uh, I don't think that anymore. I think the real role of HR is a strategic planning and business alignment partner. And I think we do that through things like employee development and employee well-being, you know, regulatory, regulatory compliance and risk management, um, recruitment and talent management, and then organizational culture and employee relations. 
I think our role is really pivotal in helping organizations reach their business objectives through and through empowering their employees to do that. You know, I think sometimes we think of businesses, you know, how many widgets we create or how many, you know, cogs in the wheel we have, but the reality is businesses are driven by people and HR is there to help uh, leverage those people in a way that supports them in their development, but also at the end of the day, right, meets our business objectives. And we're in a really unique role to do that now, I think. So tell me about the journey of your transformation from that. I'll just describe it. I'll just say it feels a little bit more tactical, a little bit more compliance related to far more strategic and business alignment and maybe even broader than that. What what caused you to, to answer that question differently today than you would have a few years back? Yeah, you know, I I had a really great journey and then I got to do a lot of different roles throughout my career. So um, I did the payroll and benefits thing. I've done, you know, learning and development and Earlier in my career, the organizations that I worked in were very tactical HR. And once I stepped into um, more modern organizations that really valued their employees differently, my eyes were totally open to what HR could accomplish in an organization. I think this comes back to like, you know, years ago, we talked about HR having a seat at the table, right? There is this push to be a strategic partner, to think strategically, to, to move that direction. And I always kind of felt like we were pushing for that. But when I think back to it now, I don't think we were bringing strategy to the table to be taken seriously, right? Less about push and like, how do we pull a little bit? How do we create that influence to show that the data that we are bringing, the people data that we are bringing is so valuable for the success of the business. And so as businesses, I think, started to see that um, human capital was just as important as some of the other things they were talking about my own view of HR shifted. And I started to see these amazing ways that we can connect to our employees. One of the experiences I had, I was working for a company called Peapod. They're a, an online grocery delivery company. This was probably back in, I don't know, 2010-ish timeframe. Um, and one of the requirements was if you were a salaried employee, you'd have to go deliver groceries for a day to get in kind of the weeds of what was happening. And that experience connected the dots for me for the work that HR does. If you can be there and you can see how the work is being done, you can create really great tactics on how to leverage and empower those employees to meet those business objectives, which is way different than being the policy police. Um, I just think HR has got to move away from that really, really tactical policy police mindset and moved into a more modern empowerment view of the employee. I see the parallel too as well. So we go from this, and I understand it's kind of the root of your your upbringing and your career of working in environments that were very tactical, compliance-based kind of policy police, so to speak. And then you move into more of a, a different role today. And I'm thinking of, okay, here's a podcast host. She's managing thought leadership in this technology HR tech provider and not too long ago, she was practicing tactical human resources. So let's talk a little bit about that journey of what it took for you to go from the the, the last time you, I'll just say it, practiced everyday HR to now you're talking about thought leadership, you're having people on your show, trying to share, I'm, I'm sure, branding and success stories of your customers, of your partners, of your business through the platform of your podcast. So let's talk a little bit about how all that came to be, because my guess is, Sherry, there's a bunch of people listening saying, how do I get to host a podcast like Sherry Simpson? 
Oh, I love that. Um, you know, so I started off at my organization as a HR business partner, and I was supporting the product and technology employee department. And, you know, one of the things that was really great is we had had a CHRO at the time who really valued thought leadership, who really valued the HR's perspective on corporate programs. And when she was designing her, her corporate strategy team, right, especially around talent development, um, she realized that she was missing a component. And that component was an HR business partner, an HR generalist, an HR practitioner who could come and give feedback on how corporate programs were being designed and rolled out. Because often what would happen is we'd have a corporate program, it would get ready to roll out, it would hit the business partner team who is very closely aligned to the businesses and they'd be like, wait, this doesn't work for me. I don't have the customization leverage. I don't have the FIQs I need. It doesn't align with the work I'm already doing with my business um, to meet the goals that they need. And so I moved into what was considered a program manager role at that time. And one of the things she asked me to do was these public facing webinars that were you know, 60% thought leadership content, 40% product, you know, um, not sales, but how do we leverage our products? And during that first few webinars, I was like, you know what, this content is so good, but it lends itself better to a discussion than it does from, I'm going to sit on another webinar and hear the same stuff um, and have a very uh, scripted way of talking about it. And I was like, hey, I think, I think we should have a podcast. And I was very fortunate that our CEO at the time, he's now a co-CEO, Steve Beauchamp, gave me the opportunity and said, yeah, go for it. Uh, so, you know, working in an organization where you have that kind of empowerment is really refreshing. But I would say for those listening, you know, one of the things that I've always done in my career that's opened doors for me is I continue to be curious and I continue to ask if I can be in the room for things that I should have no business being in the room for, but it's a way to learn, right? Hey, I, I'd like to learn more about how we budget. You know, could you walk me through that process, right? Not necessarily show me the budget, but hey, I'd like to learn more about workforce planning and forecasting, how we do that. Can I be in that room or can you walk me through that? I have learned so much in those interactions by just asking than I have through any formal education I ever got. Yeah, that that power of curiosity and wanting to just to get get better, just 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 this idea of like, I have all the answers versus I will never know all the answers and how can I continue to learn? There's there's a power in that. There's a curiosity that I think really is pretty cool. So so tell us about the HR HR mixtape. So you you travel around at some large conferences, you put on shows. What's the frequency for it? How can people find it if they want to check it out on all the various podcast platforms? Give a quick plug for it. Yeah. So the HR mixtape is, think about it as coffee chat with uh, people in the HR industry and uh, not just that. So I've had people like Johnny C. Taylor on, right? The CEO and president of SHRM. Uh, I've also had people on like uh, David Sampson, the former president of the Miami Marlins baseball team, right? Um, but it's all focused on things in HR that you're curious about or that you need to grow in or that is uh, related to your own professional journey. So I had somebody on talking about writing a book, right? Uh, that's something that you've had experience in, but I think uh, everybody in HR is always writing a book in their head about the things that we've experienced. So it's really an opportunity uh, to focus on, you know, what are we thinking about as HR practitioners? How do we push ourselves to be more modern? Um, and, and how do we learn from people who've, who failed and have really grown from those failures? We also do something new on this podcast, which is I will go and I'll grab 
questions off of Facebook or LinkedIn or Reddit, and I'll bring a guest on and we'll sort of tackle those kind of tough HR sticky questions. So that's been a lot of fun. So if you're looking to listen to the HR mixtape, you can find it on all the podcast players, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the big ones, just like yours. That's awesome. Yeah, HR mixtape. Mixtape is one word. So make sure you check that out and certainly want to give a plug. We're in the plug section of the HR Like a Boss podcast. So you know, go ahead and fast forward, especially through my part. I just want to real quickly say thank you to everyone who has purchased my book, HR Like a Boss. We've had an amazing journey in the, the rollout and launch of that. At the same time, we've paired the book with a community-based platform called HR Like a Boss Community. So check that out for some sick, up to six SHRM recertifications, access to thought leaders, and a space for collaboration for HR pros that are looking to do HR like a boss. Last but not least, the lights that are on in my office, the Zoom account that we're on, all the recording stuff is a big thanks to our sponsor, Willery. Willery does two primary things. We do staffing for the HR and payroll community. And at the same time, we help leverage and optimize HR technology. So well-timed to have Sherry on the show. So if you're struggling to find talent in your HR payroll function, please reach out to a staffing team member at Willery. At the same time, you can learn more about our HR tech practice through willery.com. All right, Sherry, back to the reason why people listen to the show is not my annoying plug in the middle, but I'm told I have to do it to keep the lights on and uh, fund this whole, this, this whole fun thing that I enjoy being a podcast show host. All right, so let's talk about something that I know you and I discussed before we we got on the show today, and it's something that's near and dear to my heart. One of the number one things that I think we as HR professionals must do is create safety within our work environments. And some of you might be like, oh, John, yeah, we totally do that. Manufacturing facility, we have all these appropriate safety protocols and, and everything that goes into that. And I, I do mean physical safety, but there's also the fact of psychological safety in, in this place where I know a lot of the studies that are out there that people are really gravitating to employers that make them feel physically and emotionally safe at work. So Sherry, tell me your wisdom on this, some of the things you probably learned from other podcast guests and, and in your journey. What, what does psychological safety mean to you and how do we make sure that we're providing that to our employees? Yeah, you know, so I'll start with a story as to why psychological safety is so important to me in my career and when the rubber met the road for me. So I was coming into an organization, they were a smaller organization, about 79 employees, um, coming in as the HR person. So HR department of one, <laughs> we've all been there, I feel like if you've been in the HR space. Um, I mean, I'm there maybe about a week and they tell me, hey, we're so glad you're here. We wanna give you a little background on the HR person before you. Um, not to freak you out, but they embezzled money through payroll. And it was $500,000 that they embezzled from us. So payroll is going to be your responsibility. We want you to be aware that that happened so you can you know, be on top of that. So attention to detail was very, very important for this role. Next thing they shared with me is, we're also so glad you're here because we have saved some terminations for you. And if you've ever walked in a role and they've told you they've saved terminations for you, um, there's a level of anxiety that comes with that because you don't want to start off your career at an organization being seen as maybe the grim reaper. <laughs> um, and so I was like, all right, you know, we can do this. Who are the terminations I have to do? Uh, turns out it was the CFO, the director of operations and the head of maintenance. 
And so high level, high visibility roles in this organization, obviously we were gonna do severance packages. So the day comes, we're gonna do the CFO first. I go up there, I, I complete the conversation. I, I give this person their package. Um, also come to find out this person had no idea it was coming. There had been no performance conversations, right? So um, that's stressful in itself. I get back down to my office, maybe about 10 minutes after this person had walked out and I get a, I get a phone call from them. And they said, hey, I was just looking through the paperwork. You gave me the paperwork for so-and-so, not my paperwork. If you're listening, I know you just gasped because I've told this story before and my heart sunk. I was like, oh, I'm gone. I'm, I'm definitely terminated. I would terminate me, right? Uh, attention to detail was so important for this organization. So hung up the phone. Obviously, I emailed this person the correct paperwork, hung up the phone, walked upstairs to my boss's office. And I was like, I effed up really, really bad. Here's what happened. And she was like, okay, what happened? I was like, well, I didn't put the names on the folders because I was trying to be very careful. It's a small office. There's not, you know, there's only a few employees here. And she looked at me and goes, I bet that's never going to happen again. I was like, well, yeah, it's never going to happen again. And she's like, all right, well, we'll move on, you know? And in that moment, I realized that what psychological safety means is that you have safety to fail. You have safety to be your authentic self and ask tough questions. You have safety to think through things and problem solve. Now, I don't know if I would have made the same decision she made. I probably would have let me go at that point, knowing the, the dynamic, but I stayed with that organization for a while and I felt really safe and I got to try a lot of really cool things there. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have psychological safety with that supervisor. And so as, as I think about how we create that in our organizations, not all of our managers are equipped to um, know how to build that with their employees, right? Maybe they have metrics they have to meet. Maybe they have, um, you know, a boss breathing down their neck and they're like, I don't have time to create risk in, in the employees that I'm dealing with. That's not the only component, right? It's giving this ability to lead with empathy. It's encouraging open communication. It's Celebrating mistakes as learning opportunities. I just had a great opportunity to listen to Ambie Wambach speak, and she talked about fail as your first attempt in learning. I loved that. I took that away from our conversation because there's so much power in that. Um, and having true psychological safety, you're going to be able to promote inclusivity and belonging. But also, you have to make sure you're establishing those clear expectations and consistent fairness, right? You can't um, you can't falter on some of those things, but I think it's just one of those table stakes now for, for those that are in management. Well, Hey Sherry, thanks so much for being so intimate and sharing that story. I think it's, there's, there's really a power. I, I appreciate your approach and people that are good at what they do when they, 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 they're on shows or they, they give presentation, they tell stories and it was really relatable. And I'm sure many of our listeners have had that. Oh, fill in the blank moment when you do something wrong and you think you're going to get fired. So kudos to your, your former manager for providing that safe place for you to work. It's a huge motivation out there. This, this, this fact of failing forward, this fact of taking risks, this fact of putting yourself in uncomfortable positions, AKA podcast hosting, writing books, managing a project, transitioning from one department to another. Those are all cool things that you can figure out if you can find your passion. But speaking of passion, I love, this whole thing called HR Like a Boss. I know 
it's it's a it's a pet project for mine, but it's been something that's really changed my professional career. Chance to meet great people like you, Sherry. And I get all guests out of the show with one final question. How would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? Uh, I love this question. And I think as I was thinking through this, I probably had 20 million different ideas. But what I landed on was I think those that really show up like HR like a boss are those that can be data-driven decision makers. And I think I think that because I think it's so powerful to come into a conversation with a leader, a manager, even employee, and talk about the research you've done, the listening you've done, right? Data doesn't necessarily just mean I ran an Excel spreadsheet or an export for my HCM. It's how did you listen to what's happening around you in your environment? What are you hearing in your culture? And how do you help surface that information to your leadership? to make really good decisions. So I would say HR like a boss is being a data-driven decision maker. And make sure if you haven't bought the book yet to check out chapter seven, which we talk about leveraging technology and Tim Sackett is quoted. Tim Sackett's an HR tech. If you haven't had Tim on your HR mixtape, make sure you do. I'm sure you probably have. That being said, Tim gave two advices, to, to two pieces of advice when it came to that, that the number one tech, not the number one skill that HR executives that do HR like a boss need is to leverage technology. And the last, the second one, and it's a distant second, as he wrote in the book, is data. So that fact of your data-driven decisions and leveraging technology kind of plays right into the fact that you were an incredible guest on the show, Sherry. I'm going to do a quick recap. You talked about this transformation you went through in your HR career of more tactical and compliance-based to this strategic planning and business partner to your organization. You also mentioned how cool it's been for you, the things that have opened up in your career based upon your curiosity and wanting to try things a little bit differently that maybe made you feel uncomfortable. You you told a, a, such a beautiful story, intimate story of having psychological safety from a manager where you made a mistake and 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 it wasn't okay that you made the mistake. It was a, it was a botch up that you both recognized, but it was one of those things that I, I, my guess is you've never done that again. And I give you a ton of ton of credit. Probably have more attention to detail as a result of that. And then you ended with this idea that it really would help those looking to do amazingly awesome HR to use data to drive decisions so that you can you can be just that much more confident and you can be that much more sure about the decisions that you're making. So Sherry, great job. Glad to have you on the other side of the mic. Hopefully you enjoyed your time on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Thank you, John. Thanks for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you're in for a treat with the book, HR Like a Boss. It's filled with more stories and valuable insights that can truly impact your HR career. The journey doesn't end here. Visit www.hrlikeaboss.com to join the largest community of amazingly awesome human resources professionals who are committed to doing HR like a boss. Stay connected with us on social media and don't forget to hit that subscribe button, rate and review. Your feedback helps us deliver content that matters to you. Reach out to join directly at john at willery.com. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.